Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. Q, you're into a lot of um, simulation-style games, management-style games, tycoon games. Yes. Have you played uh, Two Point Hospital before? You know, I never have. And I actually... The only E3 I've ever been able to attend, mm-hmm. I got to meet the uh, the two or two of the main guys behind Two Point Hospital and oh, cool. such charming, such charming gentlemen. But yeah, I, it seems like it'd probably be my type of thing, huh? It's, um, yeah, you know, I've been playing a lot of it over the past couple of weeks and I'm usually not one for these kind of management style games. Like I, I enjoy them when they're going well, but I'm not usually dedicated enough to really kind of wrap my head around all the economic systems that goes into everything. And Mm. eventually it all ends up feeling like it's a bit too much to manage. And I enjoy my time with them, but then I always kind of inevitably switch on the sandbox mode and just build the biggest roller coasters or, you know, whatever, instead of actually going through the management steps. But uh, I feel like Tool Point Hospital is really kind of unlocking something for me because more than anything, it's just like, Compared to other simulator games, it's really easy. Mm. <laughs> I think that's kind of what I needed to get going. Like the tasks that you're in charge of accomplishing are like pretty straightforward and it doesn't have, you know, I, I, I put a thread out on Twitter and I'll kind of recap here. Like one of the things in a lot of survival or a lot of um, management games that <laughs> feels less kind of player friendly than other types of games is that like the decisions that you make early on sometimes don't uh you don't feel the consequences of them until you know an hour or two later you know if you spend too much on your infrastructure up front then you might not have the money to it's going to kind of compound on each other and all the problems compound and then all kind of exaggerate and get worse over time and so it's kind of difficult to trace back to the original problem but two point does a good job of um of really kind of simplifying kind of consolidating down, you know, to the the simplest roots of, you know, cause and effect. Like you're always starting off new hospitals as well. Um, there's not this kind of endless loop of continually improving a city until it becomes oh. a mega metropolis that you've spent, you know, years dedicated to. You know, you are given a hospital that is either, you know, somewhat fresh or a an operational hospital that you need to bring more facilities to and you spend you know maybe two or three hours with that hospital and bring it up to three star rating and then just move on to a new hospital and so your your consequences are never that far removed from your actions and i feel like it's really it's really vibing in a way that the genre hasn't before with me that's also so smart because i'm thinking to myself well that actually sounds a lot closer to how reality works right there's no mayor that gets to preside over um you know a hundred <laughs> years of history in a city but certainly um the way that many many businesses uh will operate in a lifetime is having one or two leaders that stay in a five ten twenty maybe year period and do their damnedest to uh, make life better for 
either the company or, you know, ideally the employees and the customers. That's, that's cool. I got to check it out. One funny thing is that the passage of time is marked by days, which is like, it feels like a clean way to kind of denote the, how much time it takes to construct something or Mm. how much time it would take to treat somebody, you know? So it's all marked out like, you know, 14 days to build this or 30 days to build that. And each day is around five seconds long, which makes for some really odd, like patient interactions. Like you'll click on somebody and they say, it says like they've been waiting in the hospital for 288 days. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense from a narrative perspective. But if you consider that (laughs) they're just there for increments of five seconds, like that's not an absurd amount of time to be waiting in line for something. But just think like, how sick would you have to be to, I mean... There are people that do have to wait a very long time for the medical treatment, but maybe that's part of the uh, satire of what's being uh, what's being told there. But it is kind of funny to watch somebody walk from one end of the hospital to the other and for it to take them, you know, a month to cross that space. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, let's pitch our own video games and see what we can do to make them accessible to genre newcomers, perhaps. Um, you will be going first today. My pitch today is partially inspired by so many of the so many of the more recent indie games that are kind of playing back in turn-based battle space. Uh, Crosscode, I think, is one of these games that kind of comes to mind. But there's also been a few others and uh, uh, fluting the fluting battles in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Have you done any of these? Um, I have not. <laughs> These are the, uh, essentially somebody is giving you three bars of a rhyme and you need to, um, have a witty retort, but also stay in the meter and the rhyme scheme. Uh, and so it's almost a rap battle. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did the uh, tutorial for that. Yeah. The, uh, yeah they make you do fighting. that one. I don't know why, but I've actually seeked a couple of them out and I was like, would it be cool to have a, if we did it in a retro style, maybe toe jam and early. But uh, if we did it in a more modern style, a 90s open world turn-based hip-hop RPG where you are growing up in a neighborhood and you want to assemble a fly team of warriors to combat some sort of, I don't know, corporate record label or something. And uh, you go around defeating others in turn-based rap battles. And uh, I love the idea of... uh, recruiting backup dancers and hype men and doing buffs and the whole thing. But that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where I'm starting. All right. I'll start the clock there. So of course, you know, as I mentioned while we were uh, going through the pitch, actually, um, it's hard to talk about Assassin's Creed's rap battles without, um, the OG in the mix, the, uh, secret of monkey islands, insult sword fighting and the way that that had evolved over, um, over the Monkey Island series. And um, I feel like Monkey Island brings something kind of fun to that in that you're learning new lines as you go. You know, you you start off by having these kind of insult retorts with um, with pirates that you meet across the island or across the sea, depending on which game you're playing. You start off, they they insult you, you, you try to insult <laughs> them. You don't know any appropriate comebacks until... You deliver an insult and then they retort to you and then you know the retort for that insult and then usually kind of towards the end of portion of the game that includes the insult sword fighting there will be a greater test of your uh, skills and wit in which 
somebody will give different insults and then you have to use the retorts that you had learned earlier for other insults to um, kind of appropriately match them. In the third game, in uh, the Curse of Monkey Island, they actually had to rhyme as well. And so you had that kind of extra dimension to work with. And so if it operates similarly, then you're going to be kind of either limited by the number of lines that you could include, or you're going to have a giant dictionary of lines to scroll through every single time so i don't know if there are ways to kind of contain it to something a little bit more manageable but i always really like that system within monkey island yeah i I wonder if what we would have to have is more throughout the world throughout questing you kind of discover new phrases and connections and um things that you can build into your arsenal of phraseology and then the way that I imagine an attack being in in this sort of turn-based style is what if it's not just, you know, I'm, I'm going to use an old Final Fantasy VII reference here, but you kind of choose attack and then you choose basic attack or something like that. What if it's more uh, an attack is you having to almost Guitar Hero style get served up your phrases and make the appropriate connections and it's when you do the three, four, five phrase in a row combo that you're doing maximum damage, that sort of thing. So I'm, I, I would want it to be a little bit more, I know fluting requires original writing from the, the person challenging and original writing from you to respond in a sort of extemporaneous way. So you'd have to maybe just base it all on your own personal book of, of phrases. There was a, another game that came out last year called Signs of the Sojourner. It was um, available in the itchio racial um, justice bundle if people have that they might be able to refer back to it if they're interested it was a um almost like a card battler that where you had to like the cards represented conversations you'd have kind of a timeline of the conversation each um each card would have two symbols one on each side that you'd have to connect kind of like dominoes Mm. and um and they would represent different like parts of speech. I don't want to say that necessarily. That's like, that's more of like a grammatical function, but like it would represent different like functions of speech where you would have like empathy or a joking response, or I don't remember offhand, but you know, all these different emotions and different objectives that you can exhibit through conversation. And you would have to match the what the previous person kind of ended their ended their portion of the conversation kind of either uh, expressing or requiring from you and then the other side of your domino would kind of set up what they would have to do next and basically you would try to get through a conversation both not knowing what they have in their hand uh in their you know their hand of cards and uh, having a limited hand to draw from yourself it brings to light some kind of interesting metaphor for conversation. And so, you know, I don't know if, um, if it would feel like a, like it would be letting the concept down at all, but we could kind of de-literalize this, uh, you know, remove the actual language from it and make it just kind of mechanical and, um, symbol based, but it would be fun if we could find ways to also kind of, you know, give us good, fun music to listen to along the way as well. Yeah, I like the idea of maybe pulling in, and maybe this is part of it. There's in in the 
same way some games do. I'm imagining Yakuza and you have sort of fighting stances in that. I love the idea of having stances or styles that call back to great 90s hip hop artists. You get some really pull in some of the, uh, I, I for me, the nostalgia of, you know, people like the Notorious B.I.G. I love the way his stuff is kind of flowy and laid back or your Snoop Dogg stuff. And then you could go more aggressive if you start bringing in like Dr. Dre or Ice Cube or, or even, even like a nice uh, melodic, you know, Lauren Hill sort of sound. But the idea of having these different stances, getting doing quests and, and, and maybe defeating people. And, and depending on the level of the enemy, you have an incredibly short battle. And it's just, if you can pull off a, five phrase combo right out the gate it's just boom one hit kill and you just <laughs> completely destroy the other person or maybe there's other mechanics where it's kind of like okay every if you start out with two phrases then they can come back with three and it keeps building and building and escalating and and that sort of thing this could be really mechanically complex as well like in a satisfying way once you actually learn it like i was just thinking of how something like this could map to controller It'd be neat if you could go kind of line by line, turn-based tactically. The um, the lines would be kind of broken up into like each significant word would be given like a uh, placement on the, the D-pad. And so as you're constructing your next line, then you can choose, you know, which of the words from the previous line you rhyme, which ones you use as the kind of thematic through line into the next line you know how like rappers will use you know a word from the previous line as like to make a pun into the next line usually like a like a joke that kind of plays on a second meaning of a word or something like that um you can choose like where to insert rhymes into your you know into your into your next bar uh you can you, you could do the obviously the the rhyme at the end of the line that rhymes with the word at the end of the previous line or you can go more complex like a word in the middle that rhymes with the word at the end and then the word at the end of the second line rhymes with something else entirely uh you can choose to kind of maybe use the right trigger left trigger to extend or shorten the length of the line so if you want something kind of short and punchy as like an in-between between two longer lines or if you want something that kind of drops the beat and extends on a little bit longer than it would be previously like it'd be neat if you can just kind of like construct this really kind of intricately and uh mechanically along the way yeah and i was thinking about just how cool it would be i know that 90s nostalgia is kind of in at the moment but being able to uh, pull in the uh, parachute pants and the the great backwards hats and like all of the the 90s uh, fashion that would get you buffs and stuff and be armor and combat and really kind of celebrate the culture. I love the idea of both the ascendancy of the player as an individual, which I know a lot of games have tried to do things like that. But, you know, go out and get great hip hop artists to be in the game. It's almost like if you did the 50 cent thing, but you tried to do it for a, a turn based open world RPG or something. All right, let's uh, let's close it down. Let's give it a name. I'm going to think about something about great in like 90s hip hop songs. I'm thinking gin and juice, juicy, uh, 
Hard Knock Life. Like, I wonder if uh, Hard Knock Life actually is not terrible. How about nothing but an RPG thing? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> You've done it. You've done it. Nothing but an RPG <laughs> thing. T-H-A-N-G, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, hey, you know what? If you if you spend the money, you can even put featuring Snoop Dogg at the end of it, too. Yeah, certainly. He always seemed game for uh, some video <laughs> game voiceovers. Um, actually, my game today is a little bit similar. So um, let's see what we, can, uh, what we can do with it to differentiate it. So I want a card game, a uh, digital card game based on writing and performing music. So you play cards representing verses, choruses, bridges, key changes, you know, and the key change would be like a good modifier onto a card. And basically it's like you are, you're hoping to kind of like build tension and pay off that tension with, you know, either like dubstep drops or, you know, a well-timed chorus, you know, how a, a bridge will lead mm. to a chorus and if it hits the key change just right, like in, uh, like in my life will go on or something like you get this, get this real rush that uh, brings a lot of power to the music. And so you're basically just trying to create music that, um, you know, that, uh, that makes the most of the cards that you have in your hand and it's randomly dealt, uh, maybe the requirements or what, what suits a good, what what suits a good uh, round will differ depending on the type of music that you're trying trying to create. So uh, let's uh, let's try to kind of mechanically um, come to terms with the rules of music. I'm gonna start the clock there. I'm trying to think about how to, like you said, like the the building of the tension in it. One of those things that almost in some ways requires an audience, right? So it's like who is. I, I guess maybe there is a mechanical way to figure out what that tension building actually looks like, but it'd be curious as to how it would it would work. I think that wouldn't be too challenging because each card could have like a plus one to tension. It could have a plus one to mm. happiness. Like a bridge would be a plus one to tension. A a chorus would be a plus one to like excitement or happiness or your worminess or whatever kind of of metrics you wanted to kind of track on here. It'd be a lot like, you know, Hearthstone cards where they have these kind of power ratings that could do different things that can contribute to different meters. And then if a meter gets too high, maybe it has diminishing results. Maybe you want to get it to a certain kind of sweet spot before it pays off somewhere else. And so you're kind of balancing these multiple meters across the way as well. So the card almost has these set attributes. And so there is a certainty about what is, are the cards random or is it, am I, because it's like, I, I, you know, we've all had the bad card game draw where you're like, well, I've got no tension builders this time, but yeah. maybe that's, you know, maybe you're just trying to execute like, okay, I'm going to do a high energy power the whole time sort of thing. Well, that's the thing that I, that I was kind of curious in putting this together is like, there's the temptation to make it all very kind of super formulaic, which I think works well from a card game perspective. You know, you want to know what to expect. Um, you don't want your card game to be ruled by too much randomness because then it kind of takes the strategic element out. But you also want to have a level of randomness in there because you want to have to think on your feet. But it's almost kind of working against the musical aspect because music 
does tend to be like somewhat formulaic. I, I guess especially like mm-hmm. pop music has a very you know set order of operations as far as you know the first chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and then outro. You know, and so it it feels like I, I'd want to mix that up as well. You know, I'd want to reward people for doing things in like maybe not necessarily the order that people would be expecting to hear it. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm not sure what that balance is yet. What if there was some structure? Cause I think this works better in a virtual space where you don't have to take up a ton of table space, which is obviously what a lot of card games are trying to save is like, Hey, there's only so much physical logistic that you can build into it. But in a virtual space, you could say, okay, at any given point, your hand is going to have two, uh, you know, bridge verse chorus and maybe uh, transition cards every time you use one it gets replaced with another one but now you've got kind of some control over there's this this or that type of choice in each one of the sections that you're making but then you also have the ability to be like okay i'm gonna play two verses in a row hit it with a bridge and then by that point you might have two new verses in your hand and you're going to be like, Oh, actually this, I think a, mm-hmm. another verse is what hits right after that. Yeah. And then you also have these kind of modifier cards as well. Maybe there's, maybe there's some modifiers you can always apply. Maybe some you have to kind of draw from the deck. So, uh, things like key changes or even, uh, I don't know, putting on a vocal effect. I, you know, I'd have to really kind of think through what these, modifiers would be but you know they can maybe stave off repetitiveness maybe they can help kind of mitigate some of the problems or bring more effectiveness to uh, certain types of payoffs you know just ways to uh, ways to keep from you know if you are having to play five verses in a row for some reason like the still ways to kind of mix it up along the way yeah that's interesting so now we can do some kind of play off of what you can chain together. And then like that adds the tilt control almost in a way. Right. So now I can, I can say, all right, well, I want this flavor. Is is that modifier you think across all your cards or is that um, kind of in a different space? I think you would play something and then a modifier would be like a card that you play sideways on top of it. Or, you know, like you would be playing it like a card as well. And so it would just apply to whatever was on the table at the time or whatever you were kind of pairing it with. I think one of the things that you're trying to, that this could create is, is something that we both felt a little bit about Fuser, which is sometimes it's hard to tell what the heck (laughs) is the crowd scoring of this stuff. Do you think that there is a, maybe not a crowd mechanic, but some sort of external piece of feedback saying, you're headed in the wrong direction, you're headed in the right direction, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think there would have to be. I think, you know, you could get a, um, you know, on top of the numbers, it could be really kind of visualized and and literalized as like how into the music the crowd is, you know, Um, how excited they are, what kind of emotions they're feeling. And then, I mean, the emotions could act as kind of like a, a modifier as well. If you can tell that, you know, maybe as the tension is building to a drop, people would be, people would maybe feel more 
uncomfortable because you are kind of wanting to raise a certain amount of tension and and of course that pays off like emotionally when the drop is resolved but you know there is kind of an emotional arc in there as well and maybe you don't always want to avoid those negative emotions maybe you want a bridge that makes people feel sad so the triumphant chorus can be that much more you know exuberant or whatever like you know you have you have to kind of keep an eye on and maybe the crowd isn't always going to react the way that you wanted them to and so you have to kind of think on your feet like how do i get them to where i need them to be so that this special card that i have in my hand maybe there's cards that are very specific in their effects like you know, any other card game, you'd have one that you can only play under very specific circumstances that you need to work the game towards, you know? Yeah. Or even if like the, you, you treat the, the, um, chorus cards or the drop, the beat drop cards almost as a, almost like a wild draw four or something in Uno where you really want to hang on to it until, you're at yeah, exactly. the top of a combo or yeah, or, or it has some sort of maximum payoff. I, you could even turn that really into a, a versus game once you start doing that of like, okay, well, dropping yeah. a beat on someone else is going to, you know, slow them down, kill their momentum or something or, or make them accrue. They've got to rebuild up the, the song again, debt. So whoever gets to the beat drop earning point first gets the most points. Or it'd be kind of a versus Tetris thing where as you do well on your side, maybe it drops, you know, unpleasant things into your opponent's mix as well. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it would be fun if there was some sort of a procedural songwriting system going on in the game as well. So as you as you construct these pieces of music, you can kind of hear it playing in the background or maybe, you know, afterwards it plays through the song that you've put together and it kind of procedurally writes like you know, some verses, like if you have 18 verses in a row, obviously you would write a very different song than if you had one verse and then chorus, bridge, chorus, bridge throughout the rest of the piece of music. And um, obviously that would require quite a bit of programming talent and acumen there. But uh, I expect there is a way through artificial intelligence that it could <laughs> theoretically be done. Yeah, let's get some uh, machine learning can answer all things. One day it will yeah. be able to. That's right. Anyways, we spent enough time on that one. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's give it a name. There is that old Andy Samberg SNL bit called When Will the Beat Drop? But man, beat. Harmonix has taken so many of these good names. Beat Drop isn't a bad name by itself. I mean, it feels very similar to Drop Mix, but yeah. uh, it's uh, maybe legally distinct enough. Would we title the the people who are doing the dropping like droppers or something? Uh, I mean, that's uh, that feels kind of fun. That feels kind of silly droppers hey droppers you ready for <laughs> um cool Let, let's just go with beat drop i think that's uh i think that's suitable for our purposes we we did receive some community contributions this week i saw at least one or two one or two notifications pop up on my phone i always uh really appreciate when those come through so let's uh read through a, another contribution from ashton herman who says hey h and q okay my latest pitch is a kaiju dating sim the major cities of the world are under attack by 400-foot-tall radioactive monsters from deep within the sea, and it's up to you, a pilot for a top-secret international mecha in initiative, to interrupt them on their paths of wanton destruction and teach them to love. All right, starting the clock. This is so interesting. There's so much to unpack here. Like, So it seems like we are 
scientists that have constructed these, you know, Mecha Godzilla like <laughs> matches for these various kaiju that that we want to instead of going in to fight them, we want to go in to to date them. So we have to I think we have to make a lot of decisions. We have to decide how intelligent the monsters are. You know, Godzilla, you don't think you don't imagine him as somebody you can sit down and have like a dinner conversation over red wine with. But uh, at the same time, you know, having this kind of animalistic, destructive, if they're too intelligent, then it kind of calls into question why they're destroying the cities. Like they would be morally accountable for evil at that point and uh that's kind of that's kind of not the fun of kaiju you know you want them to be wild animals stomping around and kicking down buildings because they're just too darn big you know i i do like the idea of in the same way that uh, you hear about scientists going in the field studying wild animals like learning when to be demure versus uh when to kind of be aggressive and i don't know if we can program our robot our 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 mega kaiju to react appropriately based on what we think the mating rituals of the animal are i presume we'd be controlling it in real time at least in like real time as per you know dating game standards so turn-based conversations or you can give gifts and compliment godzilla's new necktie or whatever (laughs) i in the case that we're controlling it directly, then I almost wonder if we... I, I love the idea of... It, you could almost make it feel pedestrian in scale in terms of like, well, and just instead of a desert and seeing a, a lion, we're, uh, you know, we're in a city, a coastline. And so we're kind of looking at the animal and saying, okay, when are we going to respond like for like? When are we going to kind of approach what sorts of crazy flame colors does their body start to glow when they're feeling a particular way (laughs) that's interesting as well i mean if if we kind of strip out the intelligence and we just go on like animal mating rituals and having to kind of read these inscrutable signs that they would be sending across like you know you almost becomes like an anthropological like you're really kind of studying these dance patterns and the color patterns and everything like there might be something there as well. Yeah. And I think now we're getting to the age old question that really everybody has on their minds is, is Godzilla just horny, you know? And now we're, (laughs) there's uh, now you can get into like, Oh, well maybe if you successfully uh, attract this monster, then you can, take it out to sea or take it into another part of the world and you, you know, it won't be in such a bad mood and want to destroy all of humanity again. I like the idea of the humans also being able to thwart you in some ways. Like we see, like we see in the movies of like, well, things were going well, but then humanity brought out some tanks and now uh, we've got a new problem on our hands. That's true. You're kind of, you're, you're the peaceful interventionalist and you're wanting to kind of hold off the military intervention by doing things in a more kind of, you know, pro-social way, a way that uh, honors the the dignity of Godzilla. But, uh, you know, obviously there would be people with other opinions that would want to do things the old-fashioned way by just getting in there with tanks and blowing things up and stuff like that. There's I always wonder, that tension in the movies. Right. Since Since we control this other creature, maybe there's also a mechanic where we can 
we can call in things like we can actually get the humans to intervene in ways that potentially benefit us of like, Oh, you know, this it's trying to run away from me or something. So we need to set up a a blockade or something in this part of the city. And so that kind of directs the, the, the Kaiju and you're like, okay, well now, now they kind of have to turn and face me while I'm, uh, I don't know, glowing all these pretty colors to attract it. Yeah, and maybe you have to also be responsible for like evacuating portions of the city when the monster is kind of indicating that would want to go nuclear waste or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a great idea. So now there's there is a it's almost like an alternate wood scenario, right? Where you can successfully romance the creature or successfully evacuate all the people so that uh, you have as few uh, casualties as possible. Yeah, so it's both kind of a management of the city and management of the relationship as well. Let's see, we have a, we're only about halfway through the time. What other kinds of mechanics and, and dimensions can we bring this? So, so a an RPG that has successfully incorporated the dating mechanics, I would say, is uh, Undertale. Like that's a, not only in the portions of the game where you do explicitly date some of the characters... Um, and have to kind of respond in kind, but also just the regular battle system uh, or the nonviolent version of the regular battle system uh, incorporates elements of of dating games as well. And like you have to understand the other person and and do something that would impress them rather than, you know, just going in there with your with your sword and letting the sword do the talking like in most RPGs. Maybe there are like mini game like interactions. Maybe there are you know, different types of actions you can try out and, and see responses that can make, that can kind of change the dynamics of a battle as it's happening, you know, to kind of gain a monster's trust in the first place and um, mm. to win them over. Like, I feel like Undertale is a, a good place to start when thinking about this kind of thing. What's interesting about that is that I'm, I'm almost like wondering what you could do on the earth size scale that would still feel like a dating sim. So is there like, oh, you can uh, you can rip up a, a tree from a forest or something and then like give it to the monster and be like, oh, I think this is <laughs> like a food flowers. that you'll really like. Right. Or, or yeah, or flowers. Right. So a tree is flowers. And I, I love the idea of, yeah, like maybe this thing really thinks rocks are super tasty. We get a real never ending story kaiju out of there. <laughs> and like, so, OK, I'm going to find out what food it likes and then I'm going to maybe you're maybe you're taking it bowling and that's literally throwing boulders down canyons and all of this sort of stuff. And so you have like something that feels <laughs> like really charming, but also you show a replay at the end of the romance and you, it cuts down to on the ground views of people screaming and crying and stuff. So it goes from really <laughs> sweet and romantic. to <laughs> Maybe it reframes a lot of the battles in these Kaiju movies as being dates this entire time that just people from our perspective don't understand. Right. <laughs> We're like, Oh my God. And cars being crushed, but it's, it, and interspliced with not only the date, but you know, beautiful music and stuff playing in the background. Very sweet. <laughs> That's pretty fun. So there were different types of monsters as well. You know, there's the Godzilla giant lizard, there's Mothra a giant moth. There's the, you know, King Ghidorah, which is kind of an alien three headed, um, Hydra type of monster there's and so maybe maybe you it's expensive to build these robots and so 
you have to kind of prioritize either designs that are fairly kind of ambiguous that could attract multiple different types of monsters, or maybe you really kind of specialize in one type, you know, dinosaur style monsters versus like giant gorilla style monsters or whatever. And and maybe you can choose to either continue upgrading a model that you already have or to build something else. Uh, so you have kind of multiple you know, weaker, less capable designs, uh, different, you know, mecha kaiju that you can use to date different types of, of kaiju. Or you have one that really kind of specializes and has all the bells and whistles. Yeah, that's interesting. And then you can, you can find out like perhaps to attract flying, maybe it's only ever one robot and to attract a flying creature like, okay, I'm going to need to buy the wings upgrade. And then, you know, level two and level three is I'm adding these lights. And then eventually you can emit scents and pheromones and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, there could be a research aspect as well. You can gather tissue samples and stuff like that and gain more intelligence, uh, kind of like a XCOM game. Yeah, I mean, it's even very Monster Hunter-esque, right? Like, only by yeah. defeating this guy or romancing the kaiju over and over again do you be like, oh, okay, it seems to... Yeah, that's right. It seems to be... And, and you can use world contextual clues of it seems to, like, stop for a second when it is picking up a scent and that becomes uh, a contextual clue. Uh, anyways, we're over time on this one. I think that one turned out pretty well. Uh, yeah. What are we going to call this one? What if we called it Big Love? <laughs> Big love is pretty fun. I, I like that. I was also going to suggest Kai loved you, but I don't think that necessarily oh. works out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's J-U, right? Yeah. It gets a little tricky when you're saying it out loud. Uh, Big love, I think, is a, a nice title for this one. Let's uh, <laughs> let's wrap that one. That came from Ashton Herman. Thank you again, a regular contributor. And if you would like to contribute something, new contributors or old contributors, you can do so by going to playwrightcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to playwrightcast.com slash pitch or tweet us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And when you're listening to things, 2021 February, what a great time to go listen to this week's latest Canon Rinse, this week's latest Sound of Play, and this week's latest Sausage Factory. All right, let's um, let's take ourselves out of the show with a redacted game. I believe that you're going to be the one that's pitching this one to me today. Whew. All right, I think I th- I'm excited about this one. Here we go. Redacted is an action RPG in which you hunt for answers in the ancient city of Redacted. Now cursed with a strange Redacted, spreading through the streets like a disease, peril, death, and Redacted infest this dark world and you're tasked with uncovering the darkest secrets which will be necessary for you to survive armed with a singular arsenal of weaponry including guns and redacted you require wits strategy and reflexes to dispatch the agile and intelligent redacted that guard the city's redacted you will utilize redacted to access an array of vast underground ruins chock full of traps redacted and rewards to explore and conquer on your own or with other people darn i was so confident until (laughs) right at the end there (laughs) like this sounds exactly like pathologic but you can't do that with other people it's not a Mm. multiplayer game so it's uh it's a bit odd um 
Okay, I'm gonna throw a I'm gonna throw a guess out there. Is this Bloodborne? Right out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping that you would uh, somehow. I thought the the co op stuff or the multiple people stuff might throw you, but you didn't. Oh man, I uh, I mean, obviously, like I was kind of on a different path for uh, the majority of the of it there, but uh, you know, can't trick me with my favorite game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the other thing. If you didn't get it, it would be just so legendary. So Crushing. I was tempted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The 92 Metascore Bloodborne for PlayStation 4, March 24th, 2015. Wow, we've been so long since we've gotten more Bloodborne, huh? I'm kind of surprised that, like, uh, for a game that has such, like, a, I don't know, such singular identity, like, it feels like that description, I mean, it it, it is a good description, but it also... Yeah, it doesn't capture it, does it? It doesn't evoke it as much, <laughs> and maybe it was the redaction that did it. But no, uh, I mean it's, it's like I, literally Bloodborne as, is an action RPG with in the ancient city of Yarnum, now cursed with a strange endemic illness. I guess that would have given a little bit more at peril, death, and madness is one of the words I redacted. But yeah, I I when I I took a chance and read that description, like you said, and I was like. I think there's a real read in this that just just does not feel like this game. So, well, anyways, that's a great game. If people haven't played Bloodborne, then they really should. Um, hopefully, this is going to be the year of a PC <laughs> and PS5 version. But you know, I've been uh, I've been hoping for a PC version of Bloodborne for a long time, and there's been constant rumors of a PC port that's been in testing and is just about ready to go, but uh, nothing for years. So. Hey, maybe they it's, finally uh, did remaster uh, Mass Effect, so maybe there's hope. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, then again, Mass Effect was a financially successful game, so <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.